0: Hi guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are here today to talk about wide receivers. If you have not noticed, we have circled back on wide receivers uh, in in large part as we cover position groups throughout the offseason. We want to have discussions on, first off, reviewing, looking forward to free agency, a little bit of the draft before free agency hits, and then after the Browns solve some of the things they need in free agency or trades, as we see here, uh we want to talk about those players and then kind of come back in the five or so weeks after free agency dies down and then look at the five most important position groups and those draft prospects as we go into the NFL draft in late April. So we'll be doing that starting with wide receiver because we feel like it is still a really paramount position. I finally listen, I don't know how it got done, but I did it. I got done with the Amari Cooper film room and I think it came across really, really well. There's a ton of clips a ton of information about who he is as a receiver, what he does well, from what alignments. And I really feel like at his age 28 season, it's pretty clear who Amari Cooper is on the football field. And I wanted to really pin that down for you. And when that happens, when we're looking for answers, typically the team who he just played for, the people who cover that team, have the best answer for what that player was, what the trade looked like, uh, the value of the player upon the trade. You get a, a really honest answer if you find the right evaluators. We have that today. He's Dalton Miller. He's with Pro Football Network. I think Dalton does a great job. You should follow him at Dalton B. Miller. Uh, again, he's one of the lead voices, uh, one of their lead analysts over at uh, Pro Football Network, and he does a lot of Cowboys studies. That's kind of his home base of uh, NFL coverage. So. I think this is a really good conversation on Cooper paired with the article that is out for OBR subscribers. I will have it unlocked on Friday for non-OBR subs, but I do hope that you would subscribe because you get this information significantly sooner. So let's get over to this chat with Dalton where we cover a broad variety of topics, and then afterwards I'll come back, talk more about how I envision Cooper fitting in the offense and what I think it might look like here for wide receivers and then talk about some other names that we have thrown out so far this week. So let's get over to our interview right now. Okay. Nobody uh better on my timeline, I think, to have this discussion with than Dalton. How are you, my friend? Thanks
1: for joining. Hey, fantastic. I'm always down to talk ball.
0: Let's talk about uh let's talk about what ties us together on this podcast. That's Amari Cooper. He comes to Dallas in 2018. I think that was a midseason deal. Remind yep. me of, if you can, and kind of our fan base, what what the circumstances were around Dallas acquiring him, and and sort of if uh, if those expectations were met for the player, I guess is what we're looking at. because it was a big deal. I believe it involved a trade and a a new deal, right? That that the
1: Oakland at yep. the time didn't want to give him that money. Yeah, no, they didn't want to give him the money. They weren't going to have him sticking around. Um, Cowboys were desperate for receiver help. They tried to go into that wide or go into that season with a, a wide receiver by committee approach. And it failed miserably for them. They needed a, a boost, and Amari Cooper really brought that for him. Um, and, and that's really what it came down to. The, the Cowboys uh, don't normally get desperate with the way that they do business, but that was one of the the situations where they did get a little bit desperate.
0: Yeah, so he comes in. What,
1: was it given up? Uh, what do you, do you recall? Maybe off the top of your head, maybe you don't, but what did they give up to get him mid-year? In it was a first-round pick. They okay. gave up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper in 2018. Yep, midway through. Okay, so they they trade that first form, comes in, does a pretty nice job,
0: and through his three and a half seasons here, pretty consistent. Hits eleven hundred yards almost every single season, eleven seventy-six, eleven eighty-nine, eleven fourteen. Last year a little bit of a dip to uh nine twenty nine, but the yards per reception were pretty steady, just a little dip in targets there, but the touchdown numbers went up. So, yeah, fill everybody in from the Cleveland perspective of the things that you liked about Amari Cooper during his Dallas tenure.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can listen. Coop is legitimately in my opinion, one of the top three route runners in the NFL, uh, a guy that is that size six between six, one and six two, two hundred and twenty 220 pounds. I mean, he is a big wide receiver and I don't think a lot of people really realize that when they watch him play because he moves the way that he does. Now, There's good with that and there's bad with that because he is such a good route runner, because he does move so well for his size. I think that's something that we're kind of coming to grips with coming to terms with is that when you are that big and you move like that with so much turf in the NFL, you're going to get banged up because it doesn't have any give whatsoever. You just stop on a dime. Um, And so with that have come a, a ton of lower body injuries Uh, When it comes to Amari Cooper, now they're they're things that he's largely been able to play through. um, But he does have plantar fasciitis um, in his foot, which has caused him problems for his entire time in Dallas. And he's a guy who, because he moves so well, um, gets a little bit banged up in the ankles and the feet. um, And, and, you know, you're going to have to uh, deal with him playing at less than 100% for Probably the rest of his career is just kind of the way that things are going at this point. But I say that to say this no matter how banged up he has been when he has played, he has been a wide receiver, one, a legitimate wide receiver one. And now, you know, the, the off field stuff is, is with Deshaun Watson, is, you know, something I'm obviously not going to get in on in on on this podcast, but from a pure football perspective, I would be shocked if he didn't give you 1,200 yards next year, if he's able to remain healthy for 17 games.
0: Yeah, I think I put out a larger film room on him today. Uh, Parts of the, the, the player that stood out to me, I think everybody can read them that listens to this podcast. If you're not an OBR subscriber, it'll be unlocked in the next few days. I want in your words, Don, like what? How does he win on a football field? What made him special, like from an attribute based standpoint that people should like if Amari
1: goes for twelve hundred yards, like what's a majority of that come through? He's a separator, man. Um, he separates the line of scrimmage. He separates in the intermediate. And that's the, the big thing for me, man, um, with with Deshaun Watson, with his arm talent his ability to get the ball downfield Amari Cooper to, to be able to separate at that in that intermediate level is just special. Um, And then on top of being able to separate um, he still has great speed. He can win vertically. Um, And for me, it's the, the route running ability at his size that, that really makes him special Um, when it comes to those intermediate areas, because he's also able to kind of body dudes up and shield. um, If he doesn't get separation and make some contested catches now, the one thing you're not going to get from Amari Cooper is really kind of, you know, going outside of his frame and making the the wow catches. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a CD lamb. You know, I give know that OBJ didn't work out in Cleveland, um, but that's kind of his deal. He's not going to go out and make spectacular catches, um, but he will go up contested, make plays. Um, and then, like I said, he's just one of the most natural separators in the league.
0: What what things have given him trouble over his Dallas career? Is there a type of corner that gives him an issue? Is there a defensive approach, whether that's maybe heavier zone or guys that like to get down in his face. Is there anything that when you were watching his Dallas tape, you're like, ah, that's not a great matchup for Amari.
1: Uh, yeah. The Cowboys offense. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the Cowboys offense it just kind of works from inside out and that's kind of the way that it goes. It's the way that Dak Prescott likes to, pro- or Dak Prescott likes to process things. That's why you saw Dalton Schultz go off. That's why um, Ceedee lamb does so much and get so much volume in the slot uh, when he's playing in the slot. That's why um, Cedric Wilson got so much run when he was playing in for for Michael Gallup this year. Um, it's because he was playing in the slot. That's a, a very heavily targeted area. And I think that when he goes to a place that is actually going to value and going to try to push the ball to their legitimate wide receiver one, I think you're going to see his targets go up. I think you're going to see his production go up. Um, so for me, there there were no real big issues. I mean, the, the biggest issue we saw was when Stephon Gilmore was still Stephon Gilmore and the best cornerback in the league in 2019. He had issues there. Um, that was a bad weather game as well. Uh so that that also, you know, goes on top of it. Um, and then, you know, some of the just the the top corners in the league um have been able to stick with him. And I think that's more, you know, when they're able to actually get up in, in his face and beat him at the line of scrimmage. I think that can give him issues. Um, but other than that, man, he, like I said, he's a six two, two 220 pound dude that can run by you too. So if you don't win right away, he can, he can destroy you there too. Um, so overall, I just, I think he's a really good player. And I think for a fifth round pick, um, to be able to restructure his contract, take some of that cap relief. Um, I I think it's an absolute win for Cleveland.
0: Yeah. So, so your perspective, Dallas, I noticed that most people, I, I follow a couple people who cover the Cowboys and it was general discontent with that decision to trade him especially surrounding some other wide receivers we've seen moved and i get the circumstances are different and there's a lot of moving parts there but are you left with like an empty feeling about how he was traded for just sort of a fifth round pick really essentially did you feel like dallas didn't maximize that the way they needed to kind of why let me kind of backtrack it too why did they get to this point
1: was it just too much money against the cap and they really had no option here uh Well, you always have options. I, I look down at New Orleans uh, for that. They, I mean, Mickey, Mickey Loomis is a, a cap genius. They just keep going all in. I mean, the, the Rams do it too. And the Cowboys could have made moves to keep him on the roster. And it would have been, would not have been too difficult to do that. They could have moved money around. um But I think at the end of the day, they were just kind of uh looking to move CD into that wide receiver one role. um. And they were also just kind of tired of the nagging injuries. Um, Even though he was still around, even though he is the consummate professional. um, I know that he talked about his targets being a little bit low this year, Um, but it wasn't out of, you know, it wasn't out of, you know, vitriol or anything like that. He was just answering a question uh, about his targets being a little bit lower. So, for me, I think that he's a, a great pro. He's somebody who, if you actually get to sit down and talk to, is a great interview as well. He's an intelligent guy. Um, I, I think that the Cowboys just didn't feel the need to pay $20 million for a wide receiver. One, when they have a young guy, they had Michael Gallup, who now they knew they were going to lock up long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they're going to end up drafting another guy as well. I think that they just wanted to get cheaper at the position
0: yeah i don't i don't think this is some ridiculously poor deal on on dallas's side or anything like that they're up against it this happens every year in the nfl and there's opportunities to supplant your roster and help with cap hits and all of that and uh the perception is that they uh, made this gigantic mistake and i don't view it that. i think sometimes believe it or not these trades can work out for both sides and i think it has a chance to do that we'll close with this Don. and i thank you thank you for your time man um like Cooper, pretty, pretty quiet, reserved guy. I think a lot of people are like, this is the wide receiver version of Nick Chubb. Is he how is he is like a, a person? Is he pretty quiet? Does he get fired up? Like, what's the what's the what's the, the look like from that perspective?
1: No, he's incredibly quiet, um, plays chess like crazy. Um, <laughs> if anybody thinks that they can beat him, they might do it one at it, uh, you know, 10 times. Um, he is a chess wizard and he's, uh, I think he's kind of nerdy Um, at heart. I think he kind of leans into that. He doesn't really talk all that much, but like I said, if you do actually get to sit down and, and interview him, he's an intelligent dude. He's well-spoken. Um, And, you know, I, I think that when you look at wide receivers throughout the NFL, um, he is definitely kind of the anti when it comes to the, the personalities that you usually see at that position.
0: Love it. Thank you so much, Dalton. He's at Dalton B. Miller on Twitter's lead analyst at Pro Football Network. I talk about the great stuff they do at Pro Football Network and the mock simulator we use, a whole bunch of different things. They're doing great stuff over there. Make sure you're following Dalton. I know I appreciate it, man. Listeners, appreciate your time and insights on Amari. Thanks so much. Hey, man. Thanks for having
2: me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: Huge thanks to Dalton for joining. That was great of him. Uh, really good insight there on Cooper. So, yeah, check out that article. Goes through everything, like I said, alignments, why he's such a special route runner, the releases he uses, how he creates early separation when necessary, how he creates late separation when he needs to based on the route concept he's asked to run. And, you know, just to really fundamentally sound the right type of wide receiver I think the Browns need. I really do think they need mature players in that room Um, guys who can accept a role, but still in a role that demands a lot, be able to step up to the plate and do that. So I think he will be able to do that. Let's talk real quick about the offense for Cooper. So if you read the article, I kind of envision three different things. I think they definitely already have an ex, a guy in Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I think can play that role. But Cooper has some experience playing X, not a ton. He's more of a natural Z, which is a position we all wanted to see the Browns fill, which is why we talked about a pick 13 before the Watson trade. You know, Garrett Wilson was a guy who could play that position. Chris Olave, you could definitely see uh, some guys we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But from the early round guys, you could see that fit for several of these guys uh, that were in the first round. Even Traylon Burks, to, to an extent, who has more slot experience, you could see him getting... Uh, some decent opportunity there too so there's for cooper he's going to be their z which is the split end which is a guy who's off the ball traditionally a guy you can in, you can move around you can put him in motion you can put him in bunch alignments you can do a lot of fun things from that position and usually has a more diverse route tree I think he's going to be running a lot of different things shallow intermediate and deep depending on alignments and I think that's what they wanted. They needed a player for that role and a trade that has them only moving back 38 spots technically in day three is a really great means to go out and, and and finish that need to your offense. Now starts to become, okay, what else do they need? Well, Cooper can play the slot. I think he noted he has 887 snaps in the slot and video proof of how he can be just fine. But I would like to add another player as a true slot player. Anthony Schwartz will get a crack at that. Jakeem Grant will get a, a shot at that. But... I need that to be on more solid ground, and I would like to invest in either a cheap free agent at that role or somebody who can come in and draft and develop into that role and uh, at least fight with the guys that are already on the roster for that position. Because in 11 personnel, three wide receivers, you need to fill the slot role, but then you have Cooper as your Z, you have Donovan Peoples-Jones as your X, and you're kind of ready to go, right? You're going to add more there, but you at least have the baseline. If you go 12 personnel, which is going to mean two tight ends and just two receivers, one running back, You got that field, right? You got a Z and an X. We just talked about that. That's where Cooper fits. He can shuffle between both. If you go 13 personnel, which Kevin Stefanski has run a lot, I do think that will minimize next year as you try to fit this offense around a different quarterback. Uh, I think that that's where Cooper can stay on and be that solo X receiver. He can do those things. Uh, They could sub him out and play somebody else and give him an opportunity to get a breather there because even if a team plays a lot of 13 personnel, you're only getting, like, 10 to 15 snaps a game if it's a high volume, even if it's one of the most high volume usages in the league, it's still not going to be crazy. Uh, So we'll see. But I like the flexibility of Cooper, the ability to play three positions, uh, also experience in them. Maybe not a ton more experience. uh, Sorry, maybe he has a ton more outside than inside experience. But you can see the tape shows a guy who can do it. So a really good veteran for the locker room, really good veteran for the position group, and a guy who can teach the people that they they already have in in the building and guys who are coming in, whether free agents or uh, drafted players, this is what professional wide receiver play looks like. So excited about that. But other positions they could add. They could go out and add another X. They could get a guy to compete with Donovan Peoples-Jones and say, we need more out of this player in this new offense, so we are going to draft somebody or sign somebody to be competition. If they do that, you're obviously talking about Will Fuller, who when he's paired with Watson, just in 2020 specifically, the last time Watson played and Fuller was on the field for a long period of time, 292 yards on go fly and fade routes alone. Those are your vertical, straight down the field, a little bit of wiggle on on fade routes, but it's vertical. Get to the outside shoulder and get upfield. 292 yards, 152.1 passer rating when targeted. That's first in the NFL in 2020. 19.15 EPA, that's first in the NFL, and second with a 70.0 positive play percentage. So those two have a history together, and it could work. Can you get him on a cheap deal, have him... Prove health. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff there. We'll see what Fuller's, uh, Fuller's willing to accept, but it's it's a good pairing. It's a proven pairing, right? So I think that's something the Browns will be wise to explore to an extent there. And I should mention, too, there's an article that went up by Cody Suka, the OBR Analytics Deep Threat Wide Receiver Options to pair with Watson. I went through this with Cody and kind of helped him. Pin down some guys. Marquez Valdez Scantling is another one, a great player uh, in his time and the role he was asked to play with Green Bay, and it could ultimately lead to going back to Green Bay. But he's a big guy at the six three range. He was a four three seven speed player, and listen, eighteen point four average depth of target in twenty one. He's he's just last year a deep threat target continued, fifty four point one catch percentage, 70, 17.5 ca- yards per of res- uh, yards per reception. 29.2 contested catch rate and 1.41 yards per route run, so you can see the fit there. If they wanted to go with a younger player, a little bit more proven health. Christian Watson, we've been very clear about his age being over the guardrail. He'll be 23 by the start of the season, but in a window that is different than Andrew Barry has drafted, which is a win-now-we're-Super Bowl-ready, they could want to pair Watson with... Watson, and you could see why he was a literal 10.0 perfect RAS score player, where he ran a 436 with a 245 20 split, a 10 split of 145, at already six four, and 208 pounds. So you say, okay, maybe he doesn't track the ball as well as Fuller, but can we get this guy in, develop him, have him on a rookie contract, maybe as a 44th pick. I could see the angle there. I don't think they will, but I could see the angle. He had 20.6 yards per reception with North Dakota State last year, 15.7 average depth of target, 2.95 yards per route run, and an average of 8.5 yards after the catch. So he's more than just a vertical guy. You can get him creatively involved in the shallow stuff. You can get him on jet sweeps, uh, fun things like that. So It's like a much bigger, much I think much more football burstier, you like that, burstier version of anthony schwartz right that's that's the draw alec pierce another one cincinnati player with a 9.8 ras huge kid who can go up and get the football really vertically blessed uh has a as a obviously a big guy he's in the 6 3 range 6 4 range of 441, 40 yard dash with a 4 10 yard split so he can get moving quickly and you really like the 40.5 inch vertical and 10 9 foot broad which tells you explosion 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 he had a 52 catch on 82 targets 873 yards and eight touchdowns. He uh, had an average depth of target of 17.1, with 65% of his targets uh, came to depth of 10 plus yards downfield. He had 26 receptions for 668 yards and all eight of his touchdowns on those throws that were 10 plus downfield. You could see why Desmond Ritter really loved this target uh, with Pierce because he was his downfield go get it, make it easy on me as a quarterback player. And uh, deep left targets was where he was really, really good. And all right-handed quarterbacks love deep left targets. He caught 7 of 10 targets deep left for two fourteen four touchdowns and a 99.0 receiving grade from Pro Football Focus. So you can see the draw. George Pickens, another one moving up boards, a traditional ex-big body explosive type of player for Georgia when he was healthy. He obviously dealt with an ACL tear in the spring of 21, hence why he didn't play until the playoff but you can see the draw, right? 6'3", big body, and I mean, he looks every bit the part when he gets on the football field, and he tested pretty well to match the size. He only jumped to 33. I say only relative, right? 6'3", jumped to 33, but his one five, 10 10-yard split. He had good running times. He averaged 15 yards per reception and 2.35 yards per route run in 24 games played at the college level. In 2019, his first year in the college level, uh, You know, his first clean bill of health, he had 56% of his targets and 68% of his receiving yards were to 10 plus yard nut downfield. And we know Jake Fromm, Stetson Bennett, uh, some of these other quarterbacks he played with at Georgia, not exactly the most vertically gifted quarterbacks as far as pushing the football downfield. So uh, that's the article from Cody, which I think lays out some really good targets. And then we had, our draft analyst, Corey Kennan, take a look at the guys who could be there at 44 and draw interest. Jahan Dotson, another guy with Dotson I like who can play inside out. He's got good flexibility of being on the field in 11 personnel, but also if they want to put Cooper at X and put him at Z, he played a good number of snaps inside and outside at the college level. So he could fit in those multiple personnel groupings, and man, is he he's really gifted I think you know he's not overwhelming size-wise, but, man, he can really get down the football field. He can create separation, good at the catch point, and I just really like him as a football player. Sky Moore, another one to keep your eye on. Sky Moore now rumored to have some connections to Kansas City, potentially, all the way up in the first round. As we know, Kansas City shipped off. Tyreek Hill, we'll talk about that more on tomorrow's show with, with John Colosimo. But, yeah, I mean, Sky Moore, if he's there at 44, seems like he could be. Um Sixty five percent of his snaps at the college level were outside the number. So even though he's kind of viewed or pegged as a slot guy, I think again, like Dotson, he can do both of them and had a really productive season with Caleb Ellaby, thirteen hundred yards, ten touchdowns, ninety-five catches, four, four, one speed, the single best ten yard split, really, really violent feat and, and, and just understands the nuances of of the position. From everything you hear, he's a uh He's he's a savant, he's a studier, he's a worker, so I, I'm interested. I mean, this connection between these Mac wide receivers coming into the league, right? And You know, Antonio Brown and Sky Moore here is another example on top of Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh. We've seen these guys connected to this region of the country come into the NFL and find success. Sky Moore could be the next. Corey outlined uh, George Pickens, who we just talked about, but he also outlined John Mechie, a guy that I think seems to be sitting in that pick 78 range. He suffered that torn ACL in the SEC championship game, which stinks because this guy can really create as a wide receiver, a nice route tree, a really interesting set of explosive releases at the line of scrimmage. I talked about some of those, the stutter release, the drag release. Um, he can do the speed stuff too off the line of scrimmage. He's fun. He had 96 catches, 1400 sorry, 1,142 yards and eight touchdowns in that offense, overshadowed. The last two years, Jamison Williams uh, takes all the attention. Last year, the year before that, we all know um, Devontae Smith and and uh, Jalen Waddle were going to take his attention, but just a really solid receiver who I think can have a nice NFL career as a movable uh, a movable target guy who can do different things in an offense, and you could just look back in five years and be like, yeah, I could see why Mechie was overshadowed and didn't get the respect he deserved. And then uh, Pierce is also noted. By Corey as well. So that's kind of the group. If you're doing your mock drafts on PFF, PFN, the Draft Network, you're probably noticing it gets a little slim at 44, even more slim by 78. 78. You're kind of really looking at like Khalil Shakir and a couple other guys that have been referenced. Like a Romeo Dubs from Nevada is kind of floating around in some mocks that you like. Justin Ross, the Clemson kid, did not test well at all. Four six five forty. You're also dealing with a lot of injury concern. He did not jump explosively. So the injury concern mixed with bad testing, it's kind of like that guy falls to a day three range. Uh, if you go day three, you start also talking about David Bell, because I think David Bell is a guy who will look back on, kind of like Jarvis Landry, and say he didn't test well, but when he got opportunities, he still found a way to get open. So I'm still into David Bell in day three even if the testing numbers rub some people the wrong way if you'd watch the tape he just finds ways to constantly get open we will continue to have guests on throughout the process this five-week window here to have conversations about these wide receivers we'll get some clarity hopefully in the next two or so weeks here about if they're going to bring somebody else in if they're going to um, you know address other positions uh, we'll see but we'll see how serious we all feel about an earlier wide receiver selection uh, as the weeks wear on and we get a clear defined look at what they want to do around this newfound offensive approach that they're going to put out on the field in 2022 we'll have more positions uh, interior d-line and edge coming soon we'll look at depth positions like tight end and offensive line that they could address and obviously hit on safety uh, as that's another spot with the loss of M.J. Stewart we think the Browns are going to have to address. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode talking about all the wide receivers as we sit here on March 24th. Things can be fluid. Things can change. It's a, it's sort of rough to sort out where these guys will be by pick 44, but we hope to bring some clarity to that to you and give you an idea of how these wide receivers will shake out in the draft and then what they will look like potentially in the Browns offense. If you have any questions about them, hit up, ask the insiders. I will be more than willing to answer any questions you have about these guys on the OBR website. Appreciate you checking out today's show. We'll be back with John Colosimo tomorrow for our Fridays with John. Uh, Look forward to every single one of those episodes. Hopefully he's watched the Batman by the time we chat, so we can have a good little chat about that. Uh, It should be fun. And then we'll cover all of the trade extravaganza stuff that's happening around the league and give you some insight in our thought process into what the AFC could look like because it's a dangerous dangerous side of the of the conference right now so again check out that amari cooper film room that's up on the obr's uh, main page got that out there for you wrote up another mock draft yesterday check that out too tons of great content as we turn the corner here between march and april and then we get really serious about the draft that's coming at the end of april end of the first of may thanks for checking out today's episode have a fantastic thursday appreciate your support and we close with go browns